You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Don't call it a comeback. Celtic Stuff Live. Big time news. It's July 30th. I'm Jughead. This is Celtic Stuff Live. I'm without my uh, my normal co-host companions. JB's in India. And the Duke is gallivanting in northern New Hampshire. You know, last week before we closed the show, we said, hey, this is going to be the first show we're taking off since its inception but it's you know middle of the july it's the off season no big deal we deserve a break we've been working hard we've been working hard the last year we're just going to do this but you just know that something's going to go down and i said you know what it's going to happen when you're in northern new hampshire the duke and the duke said oh yeah you just know it don't say that don't say that but here we are the kg rumors are breaking but don't worry i'm not hosting this show alone tonight joining me is eric weiss from draft express he helped break the uh, the trade, Eric. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure as always. And uh, you know, when you got wind of this yesterday, I know that there's been a number of different reports about players included. And one of the things that we're really, I think, a lot of the fans seem to be concerned about. I mean, other than the fact that they're losing Al Jefferson, and we'll get to that. But um, you know, the finite details is the possibility possibility that they'll be losing Ryan Gomes as well. And then you start looking at some concerns about the depth on the bench. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about that and and how you got you know wind of this uh, trade a little bit and and what you think about it. Um, well, I think over the course of the last uh, well, a couple months, actually interspersed, I made my, you know, my my thoughts, uh, you know, known. I think it's a good trade. I think it definitely there's 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 validity to the idea of, I guess, mortgaging, you know, the future in terms of uh, the assuredness of uh, you know a bird in hand when you talk about Al Jefferson. But I think that the 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 prestige that will be brought to this team by having these players and, and the, uh, the amount of respect that this team will start to garner again is something that we've been lacking back in, in the day when I was a little kid and you were a little kid and, and, our, and, our, and all the way down the line to our parents. This team got the respect and they had veterans of high caliber wanting to come to Boston, and I think that's the biggest thing over the next three years. Boston will go from being an undesirable location to a place that you'll be able to recruit. And I don't think there's going to be just a precipitous drop-off where after three or four years, the team just drops dead. I just, I, I don't prescribe to that. So I think it's a good trade, and I think it'll, you know, to, to increase the uh, longevity of, uh, of uh, contention, it'll take more work. 
but I think Danny has shown, despite all the criticism and impatience, that he has been able to be a man to stick with a, a well-laid plan, and these are the fruits of his labor. Well, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of Al Jefferson, and I know you are as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking out at um, a lot of the emails that we've gotten already and a voicemail that we'll play later from Lance G. But, um, you know, basically, I think a lot of people are concerned about losing Al Jefferson. I know you just touched upon it, that, uh, you know, you see Boston being a, a desirable destination for, for free agents and et cetera in the future. But I think a lot of people are concerned about trading away Al Jefferson and even Gerald Green to some extent, although not nearly to the extent of Al Jefferson. Earlier today, Shira Springer uh, reported briefly that Al Jefferson might not be in this trade, which is pretty much an impossibility um, You know, once the draft went by and, and the number five pick had been traded to acquire Ray Allen. But uh, what do you say to the fans, uh, including myself, um, you know, that, that are concerned about um, the future of this franchise now only having really Rondo and hopefully Tony Allen and possibly Ryan Gomes um, as, you know, kind of the, the future young players and core of this team um, that are, you know, still first-round draft picks that people can expect, you know, I guess reasonable um, contributions from and maybe on the all-star level uh, if everything you know, aligns itself correctly. What do you say to the people who are concerned about that? Uh, the only thing I can say is that regardless of what people think about the remaining youth on this team, there's still, there still a substantial amount of youth that has talent that I believe, I think there's at least four or five starter-level guys left on this team. And I feel that what happens is the amount of life left in Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen is going to bridge the gap where these young players are going to become veterans in the true sense. And what I mean by the true sense is not veterans simply by getting older and playing on a team that doesn't win, but being battle-tested, playoff-tested veterans. And that makes all the world a difference when those, when those older stars start to decline and the team has to look to replace them. I don't think you fall apart and turn into an expansion team again because I think that, that those, the Tony Allens and the Ryan Gomes and the Rajon Rondos and even the Perks and the Pose and, and maybe Davis, you know, you know, Glenn Davis, those guys should be competent and well, well battle-tested at that point in time. You're talking about four or five years down the road um, before they're even relied on to do more, and I think that'll, that'll keep you. And you might be in mediocrity, so to speak, but you'll also have a lot more flexibility, and you'll have that reputation that I was talking about. So I don't worry. But, you know, maybe we don't have a superstar left on the roster, but I don't think it's going to be a complete, like, redrafting of this team, you know, all over again. I think it'll be about reinventing the team after the window with these three is over. There's still some good young core guys that are quality guys, and that's the kind of guys that the San Antonios, you know, and the Dallases of the world have, is they have quality players that were nothing spectacular early on in their careers, but they refine their games and they learn through you know, through playoff testing, and they turned into efficient, you know, intelligent ball players. And I think we have a lot of those left that are much younger than the big three. Yeah, I have to agree with that. And, you know, how much can you, um, you know, count on these veterans also making the players that are coming into the league underneath them better players? Because I think that's another thing to kind of take a look at is when you have three all-stars, um, you know, on a team, can they make players that are playing underneath them that are kind of training to, um, you know, be 
I don't know, to replace them, you know, sort of, you know, down the line, are they going to be better players having played with these guys? I mean, isn't it almost like having extra coaches on the team that have some experience to, to impart to the young players that are that are still remaining with this squad? Yeah, I'm, I, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, I think that it's not always so much just mentoring them, but just being in situations and communicating and learning from from watching and from participating, not just watching, but from being a part of it. And I think that as those younger players mature, I mean, not all, even in the short term, you look at a guy like Rajon Rondo, this is the one thing that I really like about Kevin Garnett, which is different than Al Jefferson, is Garnett is a high post player who's really a triple-double machine, um, you know, Rajan's biggest thing is he doesn't shoot real well, but he slashes extremely well, and he's refining his floaters, and he can get to the free-throw line. It reminds me a lot of uh, Tony Parker when he first came up. Tony Parker was was not an exceptional player uh, for his first three, you know, plus years in the NBA, but he was able to play at an exceptional level because he really knew how to play off of the rest of that Spurs team. And what he really did is he moved around and he found seams off the double teams that the other guys drew, and he just attacked instantaneously. If Tony, if, excuse me, if Rajon Rondo is intelligent, he will use you know that to his advantage, the amount of defensive attention those other three get. And he should have plenty of lanes that get him to the basket. It doesn't take him long to, to attack. And he should find himself at the free throw line a lot, or at least making plays off the dribble without having to spot up shoot. Even though that is an issue that he will have to address. So, so long term and short term value. Well, uh, you know, and I've been reading a lot of the the posts, and uh, you know, on the message boards, and even in the chat room, and a lot of people are concerned about the loss of Al Jefferson's, you know, post play. Just you know, basically what you're just saying is that you know you like the way that uh, you know Garnett can spread the floor, but a lot of people are concerned that not having a post score is going to hurt this team. I mean, can you talk a little bit about Garnett's post game? Because I mean, I don't think that it's necessarily to fair to say that Garnett can't score in the post. I still think he's a, a good post scorer, but he does other things well as, uh, also. Yeah, I think it's legitimate. Garnett does, by tendency, by offensive tendency, courtesy once again of Synergy Sports Technology, who are infinitely awesome and all of their uh, help in scouting, but um, you know, he, Garnett ha- is extremely efficient in his post possessions, and he officially is logged as, as having seven and a half post possessions a game, as opposed to about the nine that he has on jump shots. And so, yeah, he is a jump shooter, but he's not like he's taking 18-foot shots. A lot of his stuff is off the high post. He does a lot of dribble-drive pull-up from very close range, and he's extremely efficient at his pull-up jumping, a jump shot, and his post play. So he does go in the post. And it, and the bottom line is, as a power forward, he's extremely efficient. You know, perimeter shooting goes in the slumps. You know, and and it's traditionally a, a lower efficiency, uh, you know, kind of offense. But this guy is not a perimeter player. He just happens to do a lot of face-up, pull-up stuff. And but he he is extremely proficient in the post possessions that he does have. That turnaround jumper being one of the most killer, you know, moves that there is. And for an opposing uh, power forward or center to defend him, it's just extremely difficult. And I just don't see this this overwhelming problem, and what I really see is an advantage for Kendrick Perkins, who might not necessarily be a great offensive player, but in terms of him being a rebounder, he's going to be isolated underneath with whoever the worst of the two big men is, you know, and he's going to have, 
you know, carte blanche control of the offensive boards, and that goes with for Leon Poe as well. The guys that are great at rebounding, they're more role players than they are feature guys, but all of a sudden with the amount of attention a Garnett's getting from the interior defense, you now have a situation where the other guy's strengths are accentuated in a situation that's very beneficial. So even if we are taking more jumpers, than we normally would, I think our probability of securing offensive rebounds goes up exponentially based off of the defensive structures that another team will have to implement. So that's just my feeling. You know, I could be wrong, but I'm not concerned about it. Steve Bullpett's going to join us right after the break here in just a few minutes to start out the show at 8.15. Scott Souza from the Metro West Daily News and the Herald is going to be joining us at 845. Bullpet from the Herald, I think everybody knows that. And then Sean Grandy, play-by-play voice, is going to be coming on the show at 915. And uh, we have a call-out for possibly one other guest. Uh, we're going to listen to this, uh, to this call-in first. This is from Lance G. Hey, guys. Uh, Lance G here. I just want to um, say that uh, I think this Kevin Garnett trade stinks. Um, number one, I think that uh, now we've got uh, three big superstars, but we don't have a bench, and uh, we don't have the players who will help those three guys contend for a championship. Um, our especially our five, six, seven, uh, our uh, six, seven, and eight players are really not that great, um, and uh, then we have rookies to back everyone else up. I also don't like the fact that Garnett is mostly a jump shooter and the fact that him, um, Pierce, and Ray Allen don't play much defense. Uh, we're not going to be able to stop anyone. So um, if our shots are not falling, uh, our team is still going to be in a bad situation, particularly if it's a close game. So um, I think we still have a hole in backup center. We still have a hole in uh, point guard. And um, I think that uh, while this trade may look good on paper, um, I still think that there are t- other teams that are better than us, and we may end up mortgaging our future and paying these other guys uh, way too much money. So uh, I don't like the trade, and um, I'm pretty upset about it, and uh, hope uh, there are other listeners who find it in favor, uh, because I don't. Thank you. So, I mean, we're definitely getting some, some kind of reaction like that. Eric, what is, your, what is your thought on that? I'm looking at the people in the, uh, in the pit, and they definitely don't agree, or at least the people who are posting in there. Um, but I do think there are some people who feel that way. Um, Eric, what's your thoughts on, on his comments? Well, I think he lumped KG into the no defense category, so I don't, that can't happen because he's one of the best defenders ever. But even if that wasn't the point, I, I understand a little bit of the concern about the about the the jump shooting, I mean, but Kevin Garnett, like I said, has a post game, and I think you're talking about three, not only three superstars, but if you look at the numbers, they're three of the most versatile at their position. All of these guys are triple-double kind of guys. They both have exceptional passing eyes. They both can rebound, or all three can rebound, and all three can score the ball in a variety of ways by slashing or by or by shooting and posting up, for that matter. I mean, Ray doesn't have much of a post-up game. He just does a little turnaround thing, but, I mean, these guys are going to figure out how to work effectively on the court. They're not going to be locked in. I mean, a lot of what a player's tendencies are are a byproduct of the environments that they played in. Kevin Garnett's game is a reflection of the players around him and what he was required to do. Knowing that he has proficiency in other areas and you're just looking at volume, I would tend to believe that they would find a way 
to maximize the things that complement each other. That's just me. I think that these three guys are all guys that want a championship. I think they're all three guys that are extremely professional, not the types of guys that get selfish in, in fights, especially not Garnett. If anything, he's always been criticized as not wanting to take the mantle and passing too much. So Pierce can kind of do what he does. I think Ray Allen will do a lot of the ball handling as a de facto point guard. Uh, either one can move off ball. I think Garnett will ultimately end up directing a lot of traffic in the half-court sets. But I think you're going to see a lot of motion offense. I think a lot of people are going to touch the ball, and it's going to be predicated off quick decision-making. And uh, I just don't see it being you know, being that much of an issue. I, yeah. I think great players figure out a way to play great together, and that's it. Yeah, well, that's a great point. And I think we're going to see... I think we're going to see a lot of changes in the way that the offense runs in general next season. Although I know the people, I know people are happy to see Rajon Rondo stay, and it's been reported that Rajon Rondo was uh, one of the players that Mikhail definitely wanted. But um, you know, while you'll be happy to see Rajon stay, I don't think we're going to see quite the up-tempo offense in terms of you know fast breaks and uh, you know Rondo handling the ball as much. But we'll be back after this, and with us will be Steve Bullpet. Steve, thanks for coming on. I know you uh, you got a busy night, a lot of going down. Probably one of the busiest nights of uh, the season or the off season for you. Thanks for for joining us. Certainly, certainly one of the busiest nights of my vacation. Yeah, well, busy. I got to tell you, you know, busiest night of my vacation as well. I was up in the Willy Wax of Maine, and I didn't even get this news until I I caught a, a voicemail from somebody this morning, and then I hopped online. Took me about twenty minutes before I got online and saw what was going on. But um, sorry to have your your uh, your vacation interrupted. There goes the short game. <laughs> there goes the short game. Yeah. Um, now, one of the things I want to get right to um, with you is that you have Ryan Gomes included in this trade, and I think you're the only one that's really kind of confirmed that. Um, you know, over the last forty eight hours, and I'm just wondering how solid are you on Ryan Gomes being included in this trade and um, you know, do you think it's going to hurt the team's, you know, depth on the bench if they do trade away uh, a solid player like Ryan Gomes? Yeah, well, uh, as far as, you know, this is, I guess anything is possible until the deal is completed. But this is the deal that was, that was uh, you know, discussed at the end. And, um, you know, um, I believe, you know, as I've written on the blog, it's just a matter now of getting the, massaging the numbers so that the Celtics uh, don't hurt themselves too bad with the, luxury tax issues and things like that and, and things that would hurt them as they try to uh, put players or, you know, around these guys. And in that regard, I do think that uh, you know, the kind of guys you're looking for when you have a, a team with, with you know, three players like uh, uh, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen are guys who can be the glue guys, be people who can play roles, and in the case of Ryan Gomes, can play a number of roles. Uh, he would be a very valuable guy. Uh, so he, it hurts to see him go, but obviously, you know, when you're dealing away at Al Jefferson, uh, you're not going to, you know, uh, whine too much about Ryan Gomes being gone. And you know, some of the the original trade, I think Jeff Goodman reported that uh, you know Rajon Rondo is going to be included in this deal instead of Gerald Green. Um, obviously, with the the depth that the Celtics have, or the lack of depth the Celtics have at uh, point guard. How much of a sticking point was this? Because I think what we heard was that McHale really wanted Rajon Rondo, um, but obviously the Celtics not willing to part with him. And, and That wasn't going ha- to happen. That wasn't going to be a part of the deal. Uh, you know, um, in, in Al Jefferson, you have a guy who is you know, close to being, you know, he's got a, he's got a, a, I think people would say he's got a pretty... Uh, strong path to being an all-star player. And a guy like Rajon Rondo, 
Um, there are a lot of people that see his his, uh, his not only his skills but just you know his gifts. And I think that uh, the Celtics decided that you know they, if you're going to give up one player who's going to be an All Star, I think Ainge believes that Rajon Rondo will be an All Star someday or has that possibility. And I don't think he was going to give up two guys to do that, two two players of that type to get uh, to get Kevin Garnett. And, and do you think it made it a little bit more pal- palatable? Or let me just ask you: Did Gerald Green's performance in the summer league impact his um, value in this trade at all? I don't think Kevin McHale is a big Kevin uh, is, a, is a big Gerald Green fan. Um, you know, I'm not sure. You know, I guess numbers wise, you know, you had to include a bunch of players to get up to Kevin Garnett's number or get within the proper percentage of Kevin Garnett's number. Uh, and um, you know, I think. Gerald Green had to be included. I don't think Minnesota is excited about that. But, you know, as we've talked about before, he's a guy that's got a, a pretty wide spectrum of, of how he's going to turn out to be. And and I would caution anybody that, you know, even if, uh, if Gerald were still here, wherever he is, uh, at this age and with his uh, level of gifts, I, uh, I think it would be silly uh, for anyone to give up on Gerald Green. And do you think that the trading of Al Jefferson is going to wind up coming back to haunt the Celtics uh, down the line. I mean, this this squad looks like almost a guarantee to go to the Eastern Conference Finals with a great shot at going to the Finals if everybody stays healthy and, you know, they can round out maybe the depth using a little bit of the mid-level exception, um, you know, and kind of balancing the squad out before a training camp. But do you think that, you know, maybe Celtics fans or even the administration could regret trading away Al Jefferson someday? Well, um, that could that could easily be the case. I'm not saying it's going to be the case, but sure. If hey, if uh, Kevin Nett, uh slips up and has a, you know, gets a, a knee injury or something like that, then you know, that's but that's the risk in this. I mean, the trades you know don't come without risk, and certainly staying standing pat doesn't come without risk either. So you know, I mean, it's it's very likely. It's it's, it's not like it's very possible that Al Jefferson could this deal could haunt the Celtics you know, because Al Jefferson's going to be. Now, if he continues on the path that he's on now, then he's going to be very good for a lot of years. Will he ever be what Kevin Garnett has been? I don't think so, because I don't think the defense is going to be there. But in terms of being a productive player for years to come, you're trading someone who's 22 years old for you know for a guy that's you know still in his prime, but you know does not have nearly as much prime left as uh, as Al Jefferson does. And joining me uh, to co-host the show, the, the show this evening is Eric Weiss. He's from Draft Express. Um, I know you've got to go here in about two minutes. So, um, Eric, do you have any questions for Steve Wilpet before we let him go? Yeah, first off, Steve, I'd like to say hello again. How are you doing? Enough for that. I just wanted to get your, uh, your opinion on uh, the window. A lot of the stuff is talked about the future as opposed to the now. But there is a precedent, you know, for, for high-caliber players to play late into their 30s, and I know that Ainge has intimated that in terms of saying Paul Pierce and Ray Allen, he saw that they could play until they were 38. I mean, I, I don't necessarily say it's probable. The numbers wouldn't support that. But uh, what is your feeling about what uh, an actual window is with this team? Well, I, I can't say for certain because like, you never know. You, you can't predict injuries. And certainly, hey, look, if last year's team had been healthy, you know, uh, it wasn't going to be. It wasn't going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. It'd be a great team, but it was going to be significantly better than it was. Uh, but you know, the, the thing you've got to look at here is not only what are they, you know, what age these guys are, 
but how much less each of them will have to do with the others around. You know, Paul Pierce is not, is not going to have the weight of the world on his shoulders. Um, he is not going to be, when he has the ball late in the game, he will not be seeing two and three guys collapsing onto him. You know, you, you can't do that with, with Ray Allen. That's going to make life a lot easier for those guys. Paul Pierce has gotten the crap kicked out of him going to the basket. Some of it's been his own fault because he has you know, kind of put his head down and gone. But whoever's guarding Ray Allen has to stay a half step closer to Ray Allen than he did to Delonte West. So that creates a little more space. It's just the same thing that back in the old days, uh, you know, life was a little bit easier down low for Kevin McHale because whoever was guarding Larry Bird had to be closer to Larry. Wow, that's, that's excellent. Well, Steve, I wanted to say thank you for taking the time for coming on the show, and we'll catch up with you again maybe when you're not on vacation. Uh, and, uh, you know, Age we'll... will pay for this. <laughs> yeah, Age you... will pay. <laughs> Newman. All right, Steve, thanks a lot, and um, you know, we'll be in touch. You will. Take care. Interesting stuff. We didn't have Steve on for very long. You know, I, I, think, I think he made some good points about possibly, uh, you know, Big Al coming back to, to bite the team, you know, down the line, that it's certainly possible. But, again, you know, when we talk about injuries, you just never know what's going to happen to Al Jefferson injury-wise. And I feel more comfortable saying that now, um, you know, just based on the fact that, uh, you know, he's, we won't be losing him. But you certainly don't know what's going to happen with injuries. But the same goes for this squad of elder statesmen that we now have this big three. And, um, you know, knock on wood, that uh, you know, um, Kevin Garnett has not had any injury histories, but uh, or any major injuries uh, as of late. He's been fairly healthy and uh, taken a lot of contact in his career. The fact that he can move away from the basket is going to help him survive that. In terms of longevity, that helps tremendously. When you look at a guy like well, all of the guys, the way they've had to—I mean, how many possessions have they had to push themselves to the limit? relative to, I mean, you can't just say divide it by three, but in, in essence, that's something that's going on. You don't have to, you know, Pierce might touch the ball 17 times in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter and be asked to do something. Now, you know, that's not such the case. They can find a little, you know, there'll be more easy options available to them, but they also won't have to do all of it themselves, and, and that should pay dividends as they get older and, and they're looking for easier, you know, jump shots and, and, and cuts to the basket that don't involve, you know, bodily harm on every drive. So, And I liked what you were saying before before we had Steve on about uh, the fact that, you know, Ray Allen and, and Paul Pierce, they can all post up a little bit. And with, with uh, you know, with Garnett pulling some people away from the post, they're going to have some mismatches. I think we're going to see some of that Doc Rivers' favorite inverted offense again. Hi, Scott. It's uh, Justin Poulin. We have you live on the air. You know, we uh, we talked a little bit with Steve Wilpet earlier, uh, you know, to start out the show after our first break. And um, he's uh, talking about uh, Ryan Gomes being in this deal. And one of the things that we are, uh, I think Celtics fan nation in general is a little worried about, is the depth on this team uh, if Ryan Gomes is included in this deal. I wanted to get your initial thoughts, and I also wanted to point our listeners to your blog, um, you were blogging late into the night last night, and it's probably uh, one of the one of the few um, traditional media posts that got up because a lot of the information didn't come out until after the information was already uh, all the articles were already headed off to the press. So um, you know, I know we're looking from a big article 
we're getting a big article from you tomorrow, but at the same rate, uh, people can check out your blog on uh, the Metro West Daily News. Um, so what are your thoughts uh, just in general about Ryan Gomes and, you know, should they, should they hold off on him as, as much as possible? Well, you know, it, my thoughts on that throughout the day were basically as this trade began to develop and, and more and more news came out about the trade and, and you know, some of this is the, some of the thoughts that I'm, I'm trying to put into words right now, you kind of had the... the the whole seesaw thing. We had the one big piece on one side, but then, you know, even though that's a big piece, you just saw all the little pieces start to pile up one after the other, after the other, after the other side. And, you know, even in, if in your mind you, you say, okay, you know, they do, it's kind of like the, the feather and the stone, if they both weigh a ton, what weighs more type of thing there. Um, you know that it, it's probably worth it, but it's just ominous to look at in terms of, uh, of how much you were giving up. Uh, as far as Ryan goes, you know, I I think he would be ideal to keep just because you are going to need some type of a bench on this team. If one of these big three go down, then you're going to need somebody who can come in and play a couple of positions. And, you know, this is, the, this is the type of team that Ryan Gomes was ideally suited to play on in the first place. He wasn't ideally suited to play 40 minutes a game uh, on a team that needed him to score 20 points a night and guide the other team's best player. All that said... If it comes down to it, do you walk away from Kevin Garnett for Ryan Gomes? And the answer is 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 probably no. So if uh, while you it would be nice to to find a way to keep him for whatever reason, um, you, I don't see how you can look at Ryan Gomes and say, well, that's a deal breaker. Yeah, and you know it's interesting. Um... One of the things that Bullpet also talked about was the fact that Kevin McHale isn't really, he knows that Kevin McHale isn't necessarily very high on Gerald Green. And one of the things we were hearing um, on Sunday, especially from Jeff Goodman, who uh, broke the story, I think, um, about the same time as many people on Sunday, his uh, original details of the deal included Rajon Rondo. And we've since found out that um, it's very unlikely that Rajon will be in this deal. Um, I think it was a deal breaker for Danny Ainge, but at the same time, you know, we're talking about Gerald Green a little bit, and I think after the summer league, um, a lot of fans were disappointed because they felt like Gerald Green needed to come out and make a statement so that it would raise his trade value um, and make it, you know, basically to allow a trade just like this to happen. Um, you know, obviously Rajon Rondo not being a deal breaker is a good thing, uh, you know, as far as the Celtics are concerned, but you know, Gerald Green, do you think um, do you, do you think that just even after a summer league that he um, hurt his trade value in this deal, or do you think McHale's kind of been that way um, with Green all along? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, McHale's taking him back, so obviously there has to be. You know, he's not making a lot of money, so I'm sure if 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 Kevin really didn't want him, the Celtics would. Um, I don't know that they're heartbroken about giving him up, but I don't think that they're intentionally giving him away, so there's going to be a reason why he's included in the trade. I don't think that his, his stock, um, I don't think that his value plummeted in the summer league as much as he just hasn't been able to do anything to give himself that real value. You know, as much as everybody liked Al, even last summer when he was injured and, and a lot of people around here, uh, some people wanted to trade him because they weren't sure about They didn't know about his bones first. When he first came back from those, uh, people were willing to give him up in the Allen Iverson trade because they 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 didn't really know about him. But they also, there was a high, uh, people around here had a high um, expectation of Al Jefferson. But he didn't have that much value around the league even at that point in time. You have to do something in the NBA. And Al Jefferson obviously did something um, over the last half of last year, which uh, skyrocketed his value. 
and Rajon Rondo being able to start at point guard for an extended period of time and put up stats and show leadership and show potential. He gave himself uh, trade value, and I just don't know that uh, Gerald Green's leaping ability and, and dunking ability and shooting ability from the outside as streaky as it is gives him legitimate trade value now. That You don't make a lot of trades on potential in the NBA. When, you know, Maybe a draft choice if you're that high on him, but once a player's in the league, he's got to show something before uh, teams are willing to, to give you something for him. Well, the Celtics were going to have to re-sign Al Jefferson anyway, and you talked a lot about this in your blog posting on your Metro West Daily News blog, and I wanted to maybe have you go into depth about what you said there for our listeners who maybe haven't read your blog yet. But one of the things you were talking about was that the team was looking to re-sign Jefferson, probably for more money um, than they had originally planned, and now they're taking on another big salary. But, you know, if they do move Gomes and Telfair and Green, you know, they're kind of cutting down some of the contracts that were going to come up for them in the next few years while they have... um, you know, Kevin Garnett under contract. Do you want to talk about that a little bit more and, and how much, you know, as far as your assessment of the deal, do you think it makes a lot of sense both financially and talent-wise for this team? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it makes sense financially, but it is. I think it's a mitigating factor where you look at it. If you're from the Celtics' point of view, you look at this and say, you know, we may, I think to go back a little bit, when Al first started coming on in the spring, you knew that he was going to be due a significant contract extension. And the question was whether you could maybe get away with giving him the Drew Gooden um, contract extension, which was three years and $24 million, or whether you'd have to go up to the Nene contract extension, which was six years and $60 million. Well, some of the stuff that's happened this summer in terms of the contract that Richard Lewis has signed, the contract that I know is being talked about, if not necessarily signed yet for Dwight Howard, you start to think that perhaps you might have to, to, to shell out max dollars for uh, Al Jefferson, or very high dollars, at least getting him up as close to that uh, you know, 80 90 $100 million range. And if you're the Celtics and the Celtics ownership, you may look at that and say, you know, at the tail end of that contract when Al Jefferson is 28, 29 years old, yeah, maybe it's worth it. But the first couple of years of that contract, if we're spending $100 million anyways, there's still a lot of things that we see in Al Jefferson that he needs to improve on, and it will take him a couple of years to improve on, where we know that Kevin Garnett, if we're going to spend that money anyways, we know Kevin Garnett's one of the top five players in the game and will, in all likelihood, barring injury, be that way for at least another two years. So, again, if you're looking to spend the same money, you know it, they may have been able to rationalize that it's, it's more prudent for them to spend the money on the guy who's already there than the guy that they think we'll be able to get there over the next three, four, five years. Well, clearly the team is in win-now mode. I mean, I don't think that the fan base is going to accept anything but a championship at this point, and rightfully so. But you also make some really good points about Jefferson, and you're getting a polished player in Garnett who can play at both ends of the court. Let's talk a little bit about Rajon Rondo, who is basically, I think, as far as the fan base is concerned, the top prospect and the most likely to become an all-star down the line. He's going to get thrust into the starting role. Is he able to pull a Tony Parker and lead this team to a championship? Do you think he has that kind of um, merit, or do you think that the team would be better off getting a, a veteran in here to at least um, back Rajon Rondo up. I mean, clearly that's something that they need, but how high of a caliber backup do they need to uh, to attain to really make the push for the championship? You know, I think that they, they see in Rajon Rondo somebody who has the mental makeup to be able to handle a lot. Now, playing with, with 
Ray Allen, and especially Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, he is going to need a very strong mental makeup. I think he, they think he has the, the makings of that. Whether he'll have that in the second year as a starting point guard, you know, that's going to be one of the big questions going in. Um, as far as backups, they're going to have to bring in somebody else. Obviously, Gabe Pruitt can't be your main backup point guard if you expect to be an Eastern Conference finalist. Uh, one thing I wouldn't discount, especially as Tony Allen gets healthy, is the idea that uh, Ray Allen could play a lot of point guard. He actually did play point guard uh, when he was uh, you know, younger in his career, when he was on the team with Sam Cassell uh, up there in Milwaukee. Uh, he played some point guard there, and I think he could. Uh, I think he could see some minutes there. You know, this is not going to be the type of team I don't think where uh, the way it's constituted now, the point guard is going to be a dominating figure on the team. You're going to need somebody to be able to get the ball up quickly, make some good decisions, be able to penetrate and kick. But you are not going to have. You're going to have enough personality in that lineup, uh, even if only two of those guys are on the floor at the same time, where the point guard is not going to uh, be one. Gonna have the ball in his hands at all times, anyways. It really does work out. You know, the other half of the other part of that equation with Rondo is Perkins, whether um, he can handle the center position. I found it kind of laughable today as, as people were dismissing Perkins' role on the team. Uh, Perkins becomes a major, major factor because he, much like he allowed Al Jefferson to concentrate on offense and be Al Jefferson when he was in there at the end of last season, he's going to allow Kevin Garnett to do that this year. Um, because you have a player underneath who's strong, tough, can defend, um, and is not going to need a lot of shots to be effective, uh, that's going to help the uh, the dynamic, I believe, of, of Garnett and Pierce and Allen. Again, if this all comes down, which it, it appears now that it will be, you know, things can always happen, when, especially when you talk about money, it could always be a problem at the last minute. But, uh, but I actually think that Rondo and Perkins, especially now heading into the fifth year, um, work well with, with the with a three-star alignment there. The problem you're going to have is when Perkins gets into foul trouble or if he gets hurt or if Garnett, who's been a healthy player, has to miss any time. And then at this point, you have a, a serious problem because your backup frontcourt players are, you know, a rookie in Glenn Davis and Leon Poe, who figures to see significant time next year, but is also 6-7. Scott, it's, it's Eric White. Hey, Eric, how's it going? I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad. You've had a busy uh, couple of days, I assume. <laughs> yeah, um, I wanted to ask one follow-up thing. Everyone's been so uh, so caught up in um, in the in the Garnett thing, obviously. But uh, do you have any sense that the team is is looking to uh, to use that mid-level to flesh out maybe just a couple? I mean, they're going to need a couple uh, roster spots anyways. They're not up to the maximum of thirteen. Um, and the age of the guys that we're relying on now, I do agree that the younger players. Um, we should be able to complement them much better, but uh, I'd be a little worried about playing all these guys 45 minutes a game. Do you have any sense of the team that's still going to look to bolster the, the squad a little more? Well, you know, they've been very quiet in terms of free agents uh, this year, at least publicly. Um, you know, Ames claimed out in Las Vegas when I was talking to him that he had all these conversations. I don't know whether they were all Kevin Garnett conversations, whether they were different conversations. But probably with the mid-level exception, uh, they wanted to, if they actually felt that there was a good chance this was going to happen, um, they wanted to see how this flushed out first before they started uh, lavishing mid-level money on people. I would still be surprised if they spent that a significant portion of that for the simple reason that, one, once they get done with this, they're going to be pushing the luxury tax. Uh, they're going to be at the luxury tax threshold. They're probably not going to want to go out and sign a, a mid-level guy for one of those you know, five million this year, six million next year, seven million the year after that contracts because you know that's going to put them over the the the, the, the luxury tax. 
Uh, I would suspect that they would use, uh, you know, they would probably try to bring in a couple of guys for a portion of that uh, that money, maybe in the way they did Brian Scalabrini. Uh, it has also been their tradition to use some of that money to sign second-round draft choices to longer-term contracts, uh, which they haven't yet with Glenn Davis and Gabe Pruitt. But again, if you're going to be putting a lot of money into three guys, then you're going to need a few other guys that aren't making that much money, and second-round draft choices fall into that category if you think that they can play. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. I mean, what do you think they can do with the mid-level exception? There isn't much left, is there? No, I, I don't think there. I I don't know how much was actually there in the um, first place. Everybody kept uh, asking me why aren't they more active. Uh, there's some players. Uh, the the veteran exception looks more likely for. I mean, even a guy just for insurance at the front court, a guy like Dale Davis, even. Or even Ola Candy himself. At, at some level, you're just looking for uh, somebody. I mean, Big Baby is a rookie, and he's also you know six eight and a half. And Leon Poe is about six eight. There's not really another center after Perkins. Yeah, I mean that's the uh, uh, I agree with. I think that was Eric there. Yeah, um, it was. I think they're probably more likely to go out and uh, and spend and look for people on the veteran minimum, which I don't even believe counts towards the salary cap. I know that was one of the one of the benefits of one of the 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 no downside situations of bringing in Michael Olacandy last year, um, I would. It fits their needs to bring in a, a, a veteran minimum guy a little bit more because you want more veterans, and um, it also uh, saves you money rather than again, you know, the mid level money. You often use that as a starting point. You kind of build off of that, but uh, this this team even even that level might be expensive for them at this point. And you know, one of the things that I think that this uh, will. Uh, a guy that I think you're going to see reemerge here is a is a is a key player off the bench. I know a lot of people will shudder with this, but this is a different team now. And Brian Scalabrini becomes a key bench player for this team now. Uh, Brian Scalabrini was an effective player when he played on a veteran team in New Jersey. The problem that he had with the Celtics was he would come in on the second unit when there was no offense, and he was forced to take uh, shots after shots, and was just forced to do a lot of different things. But as he comes in. Now he's back in that situation where he's just a veteran guy off the bench, and, and you may be able to get more of a return on him there than uh, than you did when he was out there with four high school kids who uh, you know weren't in the right place at the right time and, and all that other stuff. All right, well, one final question here before we let you go. Just how do you think Garnett's going to fit into this team? Because I know that what we're going to hear from a lot of the people who don't like this trade, um, you know, and I'm I'm sad to lose Al Jefferson, to be honest with you, but at the same time, um, you know, as of, um, you know, the draft night trade for Ray Allen, I think that this is the way that they had committed to going, and I'm glad to see them, you know, go full bore with their plan at this point. But what we're going to hear, I think, from a lot of the detractors of this deal is that they are going to be looking at, the fact that you know you got three guys who shoot the ball pretty well. How are they going to be able to share this ball? It definitely helps having Rajon Rondo uh, manning the point, I suppose. Considering you know he's worked on his shot, I guess a little bit, but certainly not his strength. How are these three guys going to fit together offensively? Yeah, I think they'll figure that out. I mean, you know, in terms of chemistry, that may take a while, but I'm not worried about the selfishness factor. I mean, these are all three of these players. Well, not Ray Allen as much, um, but. It, it, at the very least, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce have complained throughout their whole career that they needed help. They wanted to be on a, a team with other top-quality players, other superstars. Ray Allen, for the last few years, uh, even though he hasn't complained, uh, hasn't had a situation where he's been able to play with another top-quality guy. I don't consider Rashad Lewis. I consider him kind of step below there. So all three of these guys have been looking for situations where they – 
they couldn't do it on their own. They they knew all three of them that they needed to get into a situation where they had another superstar on with them. And the fact that they have three superstars together now, I think they'll they'll figure it out. Excellent. Well, Scott, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show and also for staying up late last night um, to enter in uh, your blog because I know you've been, uh, that's kind of your baby now. You've really been putting a lot of energy into it and it's, a, it's an excellent blog. So anybody out there, just go over to the Metro West Daily News homepage and um, you know, just look under blogs and you'll see Scott's picture there. And uh, Scott, did, why, did you, why do you let him do your picture? Now people know how to stalk you. They know how to find you. Yeah, I know, and I, I've, uh, I think my wife tells me that it's not the uh, not the greatest image of me either. So maybe that maybe after I get done with my uh, Kevin Garnett uh, column and, uh, and and doing some stuff this week, maybe we can work on getting a new shot. <laughs> Excellent. Well, hey, thanks a lot for coming on. We appreciate you uh, making yourself available here at the. Uh, are you on vacation as well? Because Steve Bullpet just said he was on vacation. Um, no, I mean I uh, no, I was uh, I was uh, had some office work actually. Uh, that to do i you know don't tend to take a lot of long vacations you know i head out to uh, you know las vegas as part of my uh pseudo vacation so i'm always trying to keep one eye on uh on on what's going on with uh with the celtics at the very least excellent well thanks a lot for coming on and i know we'll talk to you again uh before the summer's out keep up the good work and uh again everybody go check out scott's blog okay take care guys. thanks a lot take care scott well you know it's interesting when you're when you're taking when you're talking about depth to this team when you're talking about depth um, and how they're going to fill it out. And, you know, Eric, you were talking a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the guys that are still available. What are your favorites? Well, I'm figuring it's going to be partial mid-level because they still do have to sign um, they do have to sign Davis and Pruitt. Um, I'm not sure what they can do. Oh, if they do not use the mid-level, I'm sure they want to lock those guys up. Um, honestly, I don't think the team needs a lot more than, than insurance at this point in time. I'd love to make a splash impact. I wrote that thing about uh, Juan Carlos Navarro, which people can debate. I don't think that a point guard on this team has a lot of true point guard responsibilities. I'd rather have a, a shooter. I think, uh, you know, I, I've said stuff to you offline about Yasukevich too, although I'm sure that'll get a firestorm going with everyone else. I don't think a lot's needed from the point guard position. I just kind of want experience in the guy that can shoot. And in the front court, I'd like a backup you know, a backup, backup front court guy. I think you can go with a Garnett Perkins, you know, third guy rotation. You don't really need a fourth that much. But, you know, in the East, against most people, Garnett can play center. You know, not full-time, but you can rotate the guys around. Uh, I mean, honestly, you know, people might call me crazy, but if you're looking at what's available now, what you want to do, and what the minutes are that they'd be required to play, and what kind of resumes, I would be perfectly happy with signing somebody like Gary Payton and signing somebody like Dale Davis and just saying, hey, sit around, provide that kind of like experience and wisdom on the bench, and like you know, play 10 minutes every once in a while with two other guys that are basically, or three guys at one time that are doing everything else you need them to do. I mean, what do you really need? Other than a warm body, I don't. I don't think you need a heck of a lot as from you know Rajon's backup. I think Rajon's probably going to need 12 to 15 minutes of spot, you know, spot duty. But I think Tony Allen can be put out there with Ray Allen ball handling a little bit. It just really, I want guys for depth so you don't play Garnett, Pierce, and Allen 45 minutes a game. I don't want to see that. I want to see them in the 33 minute range, you know. And I don't know if Doc can do that. But, you know, he damn well better if he wants these guys playing five or six seasons that Ainge has been talking about these guys being able to play. They need to – it's really about mitigating uh, minutes.
right now. You got to be able to keep them on the bench a little bit and keep them rested. And I would just settle for guys that have been there, done that. I don't need a heck of a lot of ability because the team's got five starters. Yeah, you know that's. Oh, go ahead. Finish your thought. Well, I was just saying that's that's just me. The Ryan Gomes thing is huge, though, to me, because if he gets traded. You really only have Tony Allen, and Tony, you don't know what you get with Tony Allen coming back. I think he'll come back healthy, but psychologically, I think it's going to take a long time for a player with his kind of game, which is a full-tilt game, to get that mentality back. And I sure as heck don't want to rely on, on rookie Glenn Davis. I'm sure not relying on Leon for offense, and and I, and Scalabrini might be a good vet, but I mean, he's a 10-minute guy. He's not an offensive focal point. I don't know who on the bench right now serves as – I mean, you can always keep one of the veterans on or even two of the veterans on, but I still think you need a little bit more oomph from the bench. And right now there's nobody with experience other than Scalabrini and, and an injured uh, Tony Allen. So, yeah, that's uh, I a really good point. They are definitely looking for Tony Allen to you know, make the surge back to where he was at when he got injured last season, although in his previous knee injury, uh, I'd say going by that, if, it takes, if it's the same timetable, it could be next year's training camp before we see Tony Allen ready to, uh, to boom back onto the court again. Um, hopefully he learned a lot from that first rehab, and he's able to give this team solid minutes off the bench. I think you make a great point about holding their minutes down closer to 30, 32 minutes per game, because if you are going to go for broke and you're going to acquire these guys in their early 30s as they're heading down the line, um, you know, towards the, I guess, the back end, back nine of their careers, you want to have some longevity with that when you're sacrificing all this young talent that you acquired. And joining us now is Sean Grandy. He's the play-by-play voice of the Celtics. And I have a little clip, um, Sean, I know when I was lining you up earlier, you wanted some love. This is back from our June 17th interview, 11 days before the draft, uh, this is what you had to say. This team needs to get older, not younger. Older, not younger. I must tell you, I find it very, very interesting that nobody, and I mean nobody, has said the words Kevin Garnett, but if for no other reason than to have the discussion, after a week of Sean Marion and Rashard Lewis and Jermaine O'Neal, why not think of the biggest fish that could be out there? Yeah, certainly Al Jefferson would have to go in this package. I know the thought of trading Al Jefferson would be really harsh for a lot of people, but we live in a world in which the Celtics could theoretically bring Kevin Garnett to Boston, theoretically, without giving up Paul Pierce. And that's a pretty good world to be in. But to me, if we're all sitting here in fantasy land anyway, why not fantasize about the single most exciting thing that could happen? You don't win in this league by continually drafting 20-year-old players. Now, Sean, you know, when you came on the show that evening, um, you had no idea that the first round of Kevin Garnett rumors were going to bust out the next morning. We played that quote at the beginning of the following week's show, and, uh, you know, things died down, and we heard from Garnett that he didn't want to come into the Celtics. Um, looks like that might, may have botched a draft night trade, but here we are, full circle, um, just another month later, and uh, we're talking about Kevin Garnett in Boston. What is your initial reaction? You were certainly a proponent of this trade, and let me warn you, Mike Gorman told us last week not to listen to anything you say. <laughs> I, I should hope so, because let's just say we both came down on very different sides of this particular uh, of this particular deal. You know, like I said, obviously I'm probably the least surprised person in the world. Uh, and when I, it's funny listening to myself 
seven weeks ago, kind of parsing my remarks, even that was sort of playing it a lot closer to the vest because, you know, he thinks he knows too much in that particular case. And I certainly knew there was a lot more to it uh, than anybody was saying even after the fact. Today, uh, my reaction is, you know, whenever it happens, it's a surprise that it's going to happen on any specific day. But obviously by last night, it was pretty apparent that this was all going to be happening very fast. I can't move off of what I said uh, then and what I've been saying for seven weeks. I started out as sort of a lone voice in the wilderness, sort of preaching the gospel of Kevin Garnett. And I find it somewhat interesting that, and you guys know, and everyone listening, all of you know, that this was something that people did not want seven weeks ago. And there were polls as high as 80% against the idea of trading out Jefferson for Kevin Garnett. Tonight on Fox, for example, the poll was 62-38 or something like that in favor of the deal. So obviously this has been a best-case scenario for the Celtics from starting just from a public relations standpoint, and that if they had pulled this deal off very quietly seven weeks ago, I think they would have been taken aback by the negative reaction towards it. Instead, people have had time to sort of sit with it and contemplate the idea and realize what it gives you the opportunity to do. And in addition, the delay, which was caused by the Kevin Garnett camp wanting to make sure that all options were explored as far as Phoenix and the Lakers are concerned, the irony is that that delay brought the Celtics Ray Allen as well. So it really could not have worked out any better. I've been a big proponent of it from the beginning. I was shaking my head, quite frankly, Justin, as you know, at a lot of people that were cautious to do this, because to me, what what, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> not, you know, taking this shot. And the Timberwolves are a great example, by the way. In 2004, they rolled the dice and they took their shot, because they were in position to be in position. And that's what you have to do in this league. And I maintain, I will always believe that if Sam Cassell didn't get hurt, not only do they beat the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, they beat the Pistons too, and they win the championship. But when you get a sniff of it, you got to take your shot. And this is four years of Danny Ainge building up assets, putting himself in this position to where the Celtics had the best package to offer for Kevin Garnett, and so it's come to pass. And you know, this is something that this is the plan that Danny Ainge basically announced from the start, and you know. Back on that June 17th interview, one of the things you said addressing the plo- the, the uh, polls on the websites was the fact that a lot of those polls were not taken up until after um, Kevin Garnett said he didn't want to come to Boston. And I think that that you know I think that's a very good point that you made then. And I actually didn't even catch it that night. I was listening to it again today, and I said, "Oh wow, that was a really good point. Pretty pre- you know pretty insightful at the time." Um, I think there is still somewhat no, well, of a negative keep, reaction. Keep it coming. I, I want you to keep it keep this praise coming because. This is my day of jubilee, <laughs> and I think I've, I've clearly earned it. So well, you you also broke the Ray Allen trade on draft night, so I think you know I have to say you've uh, you, you're batting uh, an incredible batting average. Uh, you know, in the, I, in the can I just say the notion of of breaking stories to me is the single most overrated thing that that happens. Absolutely, um, I clearly knew this this thing with Timberwolves was going on. This was an unusual case in that we live in a world in which all of you. What you do is you log on the Internet and you go to Hoopsite or you go wherever, and there are 200 rumors every day to sift through. And the bizarre thing is that this that Garnett thing, when we talked, whenever it was, June 17th, that Garnett thing had been on the table for a couple of weeks, and nobody had even sniffed it. I actually mentioned it on, on WEI, on Dennis Callahan, the number one rated morning show. I mentioned it a few days before I was on with you, and nobody, it just didn't stick for whatever reason. I think people had, there had been this uh, crying wolf element 
of people that heard so many different names over the years that might be coming to Boston. We're coming off that year of the near miss with Boozer and Iverson and all these other possibilities. And nobody just, everyone, yeah, sure, Kevin Garnett, right, like that's going to happen. This is how it works. You have yourself an expiring contract. You build all these young assets that another team wants, and all of a sudden you're the perfect trading partner. Well, and let me ask you this a little bit. I, this is a part of the deal um, that also, I think, comes into play because when the Celtics acquired Ray Allen, Wally Zerbiak was sent out to Seattle. Now, um, we've heard about the supposed uh, ill will between Garnett and Wally Zerbiak, and I want to let all the listeners know that before you did play-by-play for the Celtics, you were doing play-by-play for the Minnesota Timberwolves, so you got a chance to see both of these players ex- uh, extensively, and you had access to the team. Is that supposed conflict between those two players overblown, or do you think that trading Wally Zerbiak and acquiring Ray Allen was a major piece for Garnett changing his mind? I don't think it was a major piece. I don't think they were never going to be together. And uh, I think from a friction standpoint, was there some bad blood? Absolutely there was. But the reality of it was that there was no circumstance contractually by which Wally Zerbiak and Kevin Garnett were going to be here because in the original deal, Wally was going back to Minnesota uh, and Kevin Garnett was coming with Troy Hudson. That was part of the original deal. It's, again, one of those things that worked out better. What the Celtics essentially did is instead of having Troy Hudson and Delonte West, now you have Ray Allen. Uh, for those two guys. But I, I don't think it was, you know, most things are overblown. So almost everything, by definition, is overblown. There was conflict there. I think it took them a while to get on the same page. I think Wally came in as somewhat of a, a brash rookie who was confident in his skills. I don't think that went over well. And I think, quite frankly, um, you know, Kevin didn't, you know, Kevin, I think, kind of came late to the party on Wally and realized that he had some other guys around him who weren't nearly as good as teammates or didn't play as hard as Wally. It just took him a while to accept them, but, you know, by that point, it had been too late. There have been issues, but you know what? Guys play together five or six years. Like, if you work with someone for five or six years, you're likely to have issues here and there. Max and I have an issue every other day. <laughs> and I and I feel the tension on your broadcast, and I love and apparently, it. Apparently, I've got one with Mike Gorman now. I didn't even know about it. Yeah, he was just teasing. But you'll have to listen to the show um, from last week because we're cramped for time. I'd go into it a little bit further. But Eric Weiss is joining me this evening to, uh, to co-host the show, and he has a question before we let you go. Yeah, Sean, I just want to ask you, um, what do you look at the team's needs uh, being now, if any, and how do you think they'll address them uh, uh, before training camp if they, if they do? Do you think they need more more uh, depth? Obviously, they need two more roster spots, period, to uh, fill the, the yeah, requisite amount. I was going to say, if any, we need players. I mean, we need to go down to the YMCA or have open tryouts like uh, Mark Wahlberg and Invincible or something to fill out the roster the way it is now. Uh, to me... And the reason I'm not jumping on it, as excited as I am for a variety of reasons and about the relevance and about having three Hall of Famers on your roster and being a big part of the NBA now and being the most uh, attractive television team in the Eastern Conference, among all those things, the Silver still have some roster work to do. I'm a big believer in the veteran point guard. I don't think it's a coincidence that the two best seasons the Celtics have had in the, last, in the six years that I've been here have been with Kenny Anderson and Gary Payton as the point guard. Uh, I think you're asking an awful lot of Rajon Rondo right now uh, to play with these three guys and handing him the ball. I think, quite frankly, no one's really talked about it much today, but I think Ray Allen's going to be handling the ball quite a bit unless there are significant changes between now and training camp, and I think there will be. Unfortunately, it's not a great year, as a lot of you know, as far as free agents out there and even sort of the marginal ones. Look at the money Mo Williams got in Milwaukee and even Smush Parker is off the market. So 
Uh, you know, I'm a Brett and Knight guy. I'm not sure. I think there are most people in the organization who are not. Uh, so it's it's a little bit dicey right now. But I think point guard, veteran point guard, to me is issue number one. And you're going to need another big. Assuming Ryan Gomes is staying, you do need another big. But remember, the Celtics have both a mid-level exception and the veterans' uh, exception right now. It's just a matter of how much they want to flirt with that luxury tax. All right, Sean, last question, and then uh, we'll let it go. Do you think, do you have anybody in mind who they actually are targeting? I know you just mentioned a few free agents that you like. Do you know of anybody that they that the team has maybe said that they like? And then finally, what are the Celtics getting in, in Kevin Garnett? And then we'll uh, we'll let you go. Yeah, I think it's a little too early to, to know specifically who they have. Uh, you know, who who's going to be targeted here? I think we'll know pretty quick uh, as as this whole thing starts to unfold. There's a lot of things involved with making this deal. Even as of this afternoon, the players weren't even set in this deal. You know, Ryan Gomes discussed the possibility. Dan, he's out. He's most likely not in this deal. So you have to evaluate your roster. And remember, it's not like opening night is a week away. You still have three months until the season starts, so there's a lot of time to work this out. I think what you're getting in Kevin Garnett, and I found it ironic and in many ways disappointing, some of the national people, Michael Wilbon in particular, that were sort of trying to put the kibosh on this idea of Kevin Garnett in Boston, because I think that the city and the player were made for each other. And I think Kevin Garnett is the best thing. Someone asked me today, you know, write one sentence about Kevin Garnett and what makes him great and why people in Boston love him. And the answer is because whether it's the second quarter of Game 12 in Atlanta or the third quarter of Game 63 against Charlotte or Game 6 of the Conference Finals if the Celtics get there, Kevin Garnett is a 100% guy. He is all-out effort. He is going to love the enthusiasm of this town and the energy and the passion. And I think, I don't think this is going to be a 60-win season. I don't think the Celtics are necessarily the best team in the Eastern Conference right now, but it is going to be must-see television and hopefully must-listen radio. Excellent. Well, it will certainly be most uh, must-listen radio, and uh, we look forward to hearing you and Maxwell again doing your broadcast now on WEI this season. And I also wanted to say that I enjoyed a lot of your writings down in Summer League um, on Celtics.com. You have a fabulous wit and a good writing style, and if anybody missed that, they lost out. So um, thanks a lot for coming on again and just supporting our show with your time, and uh, have a good night. Well, I appreciate it, guys. You tell Mike Gorman if he wants to have some kind of blog challenge. You know, we could throw down the gauntlet on that, too. All right. I like that. Blog. <laughs> blog we're going to have Gorman versus A Grandy. Yeah. <laughs> to start out training camp, we're going to have Gorman versus Grandy. Heavyweight fight. All right. Excellent. Thanks a lot, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. And that was Sean Grandy. He does the play-by-play voice, and uh, you know he's been very generous with his time uh, coming on the show, and we really appreciate that. And I know he's got a lot going on tonight, um, you know, and he really he's fit us in, um, and we can't be we couldn't be more appreciative of that. So, um, and we also just got word that the Duke has just gotten home, and uh, I'm working on bringing him on to the show right now. But the Duke just got home from his uh, trip and so this we're getting we're getting the duke 20 minutes in to the rumor his initial reactions duke welcome to the show and how freaked out are you to have all of this news and i told you last week we were going to wind up having uh, a big deal just because we took one week off um i, I have a lot of words right now that are in my vocabulary that i'm, I'm not able to use because i'm a gentleman we're a mixed company um, but wow, holy crap, guys. Holy, 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 holy crap. <laughs> um, well, I, 
initially, okay, and and I'm right now. I'm looking at the first time. I'm you know I've got my computer up. I'm looking at everything here, and I'm looking at the deal, and I'm saying, well, this is what they call going all in. I think I'm not much of a poker player, but it sounds like you're going all in on this. And um, you know, admittedly, I was somebody who felt that the team needed to um, need that shoe to drop before I would kind of sign off on anything. You demanded like, this last week. You demanded absolute, this. they got to do something. You know, we got to get Joe Smith. Well, we Austin Crozier. Garnett. <laughs> Austin Crozier. <laughs> I think yes. that's what we argued about last week was Austin Crozier. Yes. Yes, uh, Austin Crozier. Now, I will take an Austin Crozier for Kevin Garnett trade most days. Um, you know, cer- there's certain things, maybe style. Maybe, you know, uh, funky haircuts. I might take Crozier with that one. But in terms of basketball, um, Kevin Garnett is, is the real deal, guys. And it, it's amazing to me. I, I'm, I'm just um, I'm, I'm floored right now, to be honest with you. I, I wasn't sure that they would ever be able to pull something off like this. Uh, the question is, to me, is, is it worth it? Um, you know, are, are we giving away too much just to... Um, you know, to to do this deal, I, I'm. You can hear me just stammering here. I'm 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 audibly shaken by this uh, by this move. Um, you know, obviously there's still <laughs> there's a few players left on the roster. You know, we did get some consolidation out of this that I've been preaching about for a long, long time. There won't be any problems with rotations right now because you got three great players, and uh, you'll find your way to to you know to fill around them, but. Uh, I'm just uh, I'm, well, dude, I'm let me ask you and, this. and it I'll, seems to me the next move is you got to find a veteran point guard. Yeah, I was too. Well, that's what I was just going to say because you know JB, you know how he feels about you know Rajon Rondo having to come across the court and hand the ball off. How much worse is that going to get now? Do you think, or does it improve because Kevin Garnett can pass, whereas Al Jefferson, you know, might pull him a kale here and there. I mean, what do you, what do you <laughs> and and how much are you going to miss Al Jefferson? Let me pose those oh, two. God. And then I don't know if you know this, but Eric Weiss has been co-hosting the show in your absence as well. So we're we're going to have to get some we're going to have to bring him into the conversation too. But those two Thanks. questions, does, does it help Rajon Rondo to have made this trade and how ba- how sad are you to see Al Jefferson go? Well, first of all, thank you to Eric for pitching in. You're the, you're the man, Eric. Thank you very much. Um let me let me take the the second one first because I've been an Al guy. I, I haven't been an Al guy as as long as you have, Judd. But I, I, I've I've felt as deeply for this man as as any you know uh, heterosexual man can. He's he's a he's an unbelievable talent, um, and and I'm really sad to see him go. That's you know I I think that there's a lot of players that you know can come and go, and they're they're uh, they're all there's a lot more flash a lot than substance to their game and you know i think there's something about al jefferson that that harkens back to that that older area that you know the the 1980s you know that the uh, the traditional big man you know uh with some uncommon skills and he harkens back to that era and it it was kind of nice you kind of thought well you know you're trying to he's the, your foundation to get back to where you were as a franchise and now Here's a, here's a nice dichotomy. You're bringing in the guy who's probably the, the the prototype for the new power forward in the league. You know, since Car- Garnett came in the league in '95, it's been all about the hybrid, you know, 
uh, power forward, who can get on the perimeter, who can do the things down low, who can do it all. And it's it's interesting to see that move, and you wonder, you know, what that means further on the roster, and maybe in a few weeks I'll be able to figure that out. But um, that's hard to see. I'm really sad to see Al Jefferson go. I, I'm not sure I can really. Uh, I, I'm. He's. I thought he really. You know. Certainly, one for one. That's. I don't. Agree. I, I. That's. That's a deal you do for Kevin Garnett. But um, Al Jefferson is. I, I really like the kid. And I, I'm sad to have to see. Looks like we lost the Duke. Eric, you know, he was talking about Al Jefferson and, and missing him, and he said, you know, I haven't been a, a Al Jefferson fan as long as you have, Jug. And that's because I was a major proponent of the Celtics grabbing Al Jefferson in the draft. I, I, he was then my number one target going into that draft. I've been following him ever since. Having said that, and as much as I do have a passion for Al Jefferson, I, I have to tell you, I, I think that this deal is worth it. But I think it says less about my opinion of Al Jefferson and more about my opinion of Gerald Green. Um, Because when I look at this deal, I mean, I absolutely love Al Jefferson. I didn't want him going anywhere. I did not want him trade. I was one of the guys that would have voted with the 90%, um, et cetera. But at the same time, when I'm looking at it right now and I look at the moves this team has made, I mean, in general, they had too much youth to keep on the roster. They'd never be able to sort through them all. They needed to get some veterans. It doesn't make any sense to get veterans who can't play just to consolidate the roster. Um, Only so many of these young guys are going to be able to step up and play. At the same time, I, I, I do wish that the team was able to keep Jefferson. And even as, as recent as last week, I was very much against trading Al Jefferson for Kevin Garnett. But the more that the reality has set in, the more I think it's pretty, a pretty decent trade. But if I really thought that, Al, that Gerald Green was going to become Tracy McGrady, I think I would be against this trade, but I, uh, I've pretty much I've soured so much on Gerald Green at this point as of late that I'm just I'd rather gamble with Kevin Garnett and trying to win now than I would gambling on Gerald Green becoming Tracy McGrady and not having much to build around even when Al Jefferson um, you know is a top player in the league. Duke, are you back? I, I am back. Yeah, and, I, and I'm sorry, guys. I apologize for the dropouts on on any end. I'm not sure whose end, but on one end or another. Um, not sure how much you got of what I was saying, but I did switch over to talk start talking about Rondo. I, I'm a bit more in the JB camp than anyone else. I think I think that that I'm I'm a little bit fearful of of what a vet, uh, a second year point guard is going to be held responsible to do in this offense with with those three guys admittedly a lot of them have you know out Ray Allen can spend has spent time at the point uh Garnett is is a heck of a passer uh Pierce you know I think is probably is slagged more for his playmaking than he should be I think he's probably a better playmaker than than some uh on this broadcast sometimes give him credit for but Rajon Rondo <laughs> yeah yeah and stick and move, um, stick and move. Rajon, <laughs> Rajon is, um, yeah, you know, I, I, he was second to me in in in, in the, how much I liked him as a young player on this roster, and I, I'm really happy that he's he's not in the deal uh, because I think that he is the he's the type of guy that you know in the long run he will be the guy here. The problem is is that he's he's the key piece. You need to have. A point guard who can run the show, and uh, you know you want it out of 
uh, your play out of your your scorer's hands at times uh, to to facilitate the offense and make sure that KG gets his touches and Pierce gets his touches and Rounds get his touches and you're not forcing one of them to make decision for the other ones. Um, now of course you know that's that's the common thing. Now some are going to say, well, Larry Bird could do it well. Let's realize, guys. Larry Bird was an uncommon talent. There aren't. There aren't Larry Bird's not walking through that door. Um, so, I, I'm I'm happy to see he's still here. But boy, uh, I think you're putting a lot on his shoulders, and I think they better make a move for somebody here. I, what do they have left for make? You know, with to make a deal with at this point. Yeah, that's a great point. They definitely need to make a deal. We've been talking about, uh, you know, how they might even do that. And Eric even said he he could take Gary Payton, uh, you know, just as you know, long as we're looking at guys that can help reduce the minutes of you know the big three to extend their longevity and at the same time, you know, give a little backup. The thing that I was going to tell you about Rajon Rondo is that Shira Springer earlier today around two o'clock stated that he was, or no, Jeff Goodman stated that Rajon Rondo was in the deal, and then. Um, you know, it's basically turned out over the last 48 hours that he's not in the deal and that it would have been a deal breaker for Danny Ainge. Um, the Shira Springer incident, which uh, has a lot of the diehards a little upset, is that she had posted um, on the uh, the Globe that earlier today Jefferson would not be included in the trade, which obviously would have been an impossibility, but um, then came back and, and, you know, corrected that later on. But people are people are really jumping on her for that. I wanted to get Eric's thoughts a little bit on the last comments about Pierce and driving to the middle and how he can adjust his game, and will it be easier because they won't be able to collapse on him because he can drop it to uh, Kevin Garnett on the way in, etc. You know, just how can the Celtics game plan for Pierce to still play the slasher role without sacrificing his longevity and his health? I just wanted to say one thing uh, before that question. Uh, the, it was an 18-game losing streak. Uh, Jug had not an 18-game winning streak. Did I say winning streak? An 18-game winning streak happens this year. Whatever, so dude. Revisionist, it's just revisionist history. It never hurt anybody. <laughs> but, uh... I, I mean, it's the same thing that uh, Bullpet brought up. Listen, all these guys' jobs will be easier, but you've got to look at what a defense is looking at when they come in. Who the heck is going to play man defense? You know, Detroit will probably try to do that. But you've you got two guys that are uh, three-point threats and Paul and Ray Allen, and then Ann can drive, and you have Kevin Garnett. I mean, guys are going to be moving around all over the countryside. As long as the ball snaps around crisply and guys don't hold on to it too long, I mean, it's going to be a nightmare for opposing defenses to stay in, in sound defensive positions. So I think it'll be slow at the beginning. If you, I think it's, mo- it's, it's comparable to looking at uh, Denver when, uh, when uh, Allen Iverson got there. They were slow to perform for about you know, a good month and a half, two months, because it's tough. Like you, You're not used to those other guys, yet you're used to having the ball and having a lot of authority on the court. It's going to be a feeling-out process. It's a benefit to have training camp. That's for sure. That'll help a lot. But, I mean, I'm sure it'll be a little slow to start off with because these guys aren't going to be firing on all four owners like they know what each other are going to do. But I think we'll get to that point by midseason where these guys really understand how they want to perform. And, and they'll still win games even if they're not, you know, even if they're not at, like, full capacity. But I think Pierce will have a lot more room to maneuver. I think Allen will have more room to shoot. And I think KG will have more room to do everything that he does because, I mean, every team they've been on, Everybody's been on them. That's now it's impossible. You can't triple team. You can't double team just with with reckless abandon. It's just impossible. The other guy will burn you. Even when one guy is on the bench, they're still going to have two 
total primetime legit all-stars <laughs> on the court. I mean, this is this is why I can't get too upset about losing Jefferson. And, and believe me, it pains me to see Jefferson go because I love – one of the things that makes watching a team so much fun is watching the young players – develop into all-star players there's there's that whole gamblers anonymous piece to that where you know you you invest yourself into certain players and you watch them grow up and it's like gorman said last week you know in some ways these players are like your kids because you know when he was addressing the whole conversation about overvaluing our own youth and you know he said you know you always want to see the best in them, in them they're always the greatest and etc and the simple fact is that that's what makes it so great to be a fan and the thing that just keeps grabbing me that makes it makes it okay um, when I go to bed tonight is the fact that when one player is on the bench, we still have two incredible all-stars on the floor to get it done. And, uh, you know, this in talking about Rajon Rondo being a starting point guard, I mean, this is unbelievable. Tony Parker didn't even have this when he uh, got the starting job at a young age for the for the Spurs, I, I just this is a this is a dream scenario for Rajon Rondo, and I can't wait to see. I mean, one of the things we talked about was his jump shot being, you know, a major deterrent for success for him. This even takes. I mean, getting Garnett really, really limits that, and we're going to be able to see Rajon Rondo do so much off the ball stuff that it's going to be a lot of fun. I really, you know, I don't think he's going to need the ball in his hand to do great things. It almost makes him a perfect point guard. You know, John, I'll I'll admit it, I am thoroughly excited for the Rajon Rondo era with these three players. Rajon Rondo. All you think of is is Johan's... (laughs) Rajon Rondo. Uh, You know... I, I, you, you guys, I, I think, Jug, you said it first about, you know, even when one guy is sitting, you have two. Forget all stars. I think, I think you're legitimately talking about three guys as, as Hall of Famers too. Think about that. Yeah. You know, Hall of Famers guys. I mean, um, that's that's wild. You know, we haven't had a team with that since '84. Not even '80. You know, or, you know '86. We have four of them, obviously, with Walton. Um, what team in the wow. NBA has had three Hall of Famers on them in the last ten years? I mean, it, yeah. that's, it's it's uncommon. I I don't, and, and you know, I hate to always talk about well, what happens next makes the big difference. But obviously, it, it's about you know depth at this point. They got eleven. They got eleven players on the roster. Um, they got to add three more at least. That's the minimum. Um, and and you know, not any of them will be the the guys that will. Obviously, you don't need anybody to change the, the makeup of the roster or to add tremendously. You just need solid, you know, players to add to that mix. But you know, those three players could be the difference between fifty wins and sixty wins um, very easily. Um, you know, how much you have to put on the back of someone like Gabe Pruitt right now—that's <laughs> he's your backup point guard right now. You know, um, how do you feel about that? I, I, I think. I like Gabe Pruitt as a player. I thought he showed some things in Vegas, but right now he's your backup point guard. So that's something to to think about, and there's more left to be done. And I think now we won't have to worry about August being dull because we're going to see some signings and we're going to see some things happen. They have to sign three more players. Um, 
Brandon Wallace, you know, he's, he was walking on water out, out in Vegas. Um, will he still be able to do that here in Boston? I mean, he he legitimately, Mike Gorman was saying how he thinks he'd be playing the, you know double-digit minutes for the team by February. Well, right now he has to because he's definitely back <laughs> up as small forward, you know, if, if Gomes is in here. Um, so lots, lots left to be determined, but wow, you have two All-Stars, Hall of Famers on the floor at all times. Oh, wow. amazing. Wow. Hey, poor wow. JB to not be here and rain on our parade. That last Man. that last line of questioning was right up his alley with Pierce. But anyway. Um, he'll be ready for Sunday, though. He'll be ready. He'll, well, he'll be listening Pierce to the show. Pierce is going to be in the best store. shape. What's that? Pierce is going to be in phenomenal shape. Are you kidding me? The guy is a warrior. He was in great shape yep. again last season, and he got yeah he got fat when he sat out. You know he didn't like go on the Atkins diet. You know what can I say? But you're talking about he knows that Garnett and 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 Allen are now in the fold. I mean, if you're talking about this guy having his eyes on the prize, I mean, if he shows up out of shape, I'll I'll kill myself. Yeah, on, no, on he demanded this. He demanded this. He has to step up. That's right, and, and apparently, according to in Simmons' piece, there he has you know three points and three other points of, that he couldn't fit in the article, and he said that that Pierce has been mercilessly lobbying KG over the last four weeks. I mean, just to the point where you know, just to annoyance, um, you know. So he wants it; he got it. What are you going to do with it, Paul? And, and I think you're right. I think he's going to come in the best physical shape. The question, you know, the physical limitations, though, the elbow. The foot, you know, the stress reaction. If those limit him in any way, be a problem. We haven't heard anything. We haven't heard anything from Paul for that matter, other than when he's stopping, you know, David Beckham, uh, you know, free kicks or whatever. But but I think that we are. Um, Paul Pierce is, you know, going to have all he wants and more at this point. And if he can't get it done, then. It's on his, you know, it's on him, really. I hate to say it, but I think it is. You know, you you bring in these guys, but this is what Paul wanted. Paul wanted some running mates. He wants some guys to do it, and he's got it now. So, well, kudos you know, to Paul hey, for Paul. helping to get this done. Let's just say that, mm. because if you're going to be the guy that's lobbying for it and making and making this big push, it is refreshing to hear that he helped make that happen. Because the simple fact is, he did a lot of whining about it. So to hear that he was proactive in resolving that scenario and making that come true, and you know, obviously he didn't force the organization's hand. If they didn't want to do something like this, they certainly would have traded Paul Pierce and gone with an all-out youth movement. But this was the way that they that Danny Ainge wanted to go as well. He said as much all along, and it's nice to see that Paul Pierce helped get that done. So, well, how about how about this is a nice dichotomy, nice you know, kind of. Uh, the difference between him and Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant reportedly tells KG, don't bother coming to L.A. because I'm leaving. Right. Paul Pierce says, I want you to come to Boston, and I want you to be my wingman, and we're going to go out there, and we're going to win some ball games. That's That tells you the difference between Kobe Bryant of Eagle, Lake, you know, Eagle Colorado and Paul Pierce <laughs> of Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He's in L.A., not Eagle Col. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, anyway. hey, well... <laughs> so much fun taking pot shots at Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I love it. That one was huge. I I really appreciate that. After the traumatic experience this past January thirty first, two thousand seven, I'll never forget the day 
and it'll be that much more glorious come next uh, next late <laughs> May, hopefully. So, um, well, listen, I wanted to say thank you to Eric Weiss for joining us this evening and taking three plus hours out of your busy schedule. Um, you know, to come on and help us co-host and give us your insights and, uh, you know, just remind everybody that you were one of the first to get this information up on Real GM, and I wanted to congratulate you on, a, on an excellent job. Well done. And, and for anybody else who might be listening in the uh, professional ranks, make sure to check out Eric's uh, other project, uh, bbiq.com. Um, Eric, I don't know if you want to give yourself a, a quick plug here, but uh, I know the work you're doing there is, is pretty awesome, and we enjoy your writing on Celtics blog um and i think i said real gm but i meant to say draftexpress.com um for breaking the trade there so um i don't know if you want to give yourself a plug other than the fact that i just corrected my own mistake oh it's it's actually the bbiq.com it's not a it's not a big deal it's more of a professional uh site but uh but it's it's fun i'm just more stoked about my team man i'm more in the personal mode than the professional right now i mean it's I wouldn't be in basketball if it wasn't for how poorly this team's managed itself over the course of my life. I never would have searched for answers. So, you know, this is kind of a this is kind of a you know a prodigal son returning kind of thing. It's amazing that this team's finally good for the first time in as long as I can remember. So that's that's all for me. Well, they're saying in the pit that you were mentioned everywhere today in in media. So. Uh, Nice, nice heyday for you, and and thanks for thanks for your work and covering this team so closely, um, you know, over the last year and, and during the difficult times and bringing some positivity. Now let's hope it comes to fruition. Um, we're gonna say good night, Duke. I'm glad you made it home in time to join us and to take some calls. Yeah, well, my 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 jaw still hasn't come up from the floor, but uh, you know, I'm gonna take a quick spin around the message boards here tonight and uh, see what everybody else is saying and and try to devour as much as I can and you know try to come up with some good stuff for Sunday. But I I just you know you just know when you go away something like this is gonna happen. You know, and I picked up the the, the globe yesterday. I picked up the globe today. Nothing in there, but ah, the internet. Gotta love the internet. First to the story, you know, and and the traditional sources are, are late as always. And well done to Eric Weiss, uh, not only for pitching in for uh, the India bound JB and the uh, Lake uh, Newfoundland Lake bound uh, myself, and uh, we appreciate it. And it's been a great great night. But uh, more to do, more to do out there. Let's see, let's see who they uh, who the next uh, next. It's not even a shoe now. I think it's kind of like the next lace, perhaps, or maybe the next sock. You know, because you know, it's not really no, a shoe. No, no, no. It's you know, like your next. Don't really, it's it's your kind of next, a lesser thing. No, it's your next. It's your next slipper. It's like the backup shoe. Yeah. It's like the next flip flop. You know, it's not even a real the, shoe. It's just that's a shoe the, that the, fills out your closet. The next flip flop. That's what it will be. Because you know, it's a flip flop. You know, it's not really a big deal. You know, I, I, I'm gonna. That's what it will be from now on. From this time and forth, it will be the next flip flop. <laughs> so who will be the next flip flop? Will it be Brevin Knight? Will, will it be PJ Brown? Cool. Will it be James Posey? The next flip flop to drop. Here we go. Hey, all right, we're going to close out the night. We're going to be on again next Sunday at our usual time. That's seven to nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, guest to be announced later this week. I'd imagine we can. Uh, we'll continue with uh, with the big name guests that we've been getting. And uh, I want again thank you to Eric Weiss and JB wherever you are. Um, might be your last peaceful night if you're on your way home. I don't know. I can't wait to get his. I can't wait to hear from JB on Sunday. I'm excited. <laughs> Good stuff. 
Uh, good night, everybody. We'll see you on Sunday. Celtic stuff live.